Okay, hey. Hi. 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 How's it going? Oh, God. Emily got a shot in her butt today, everyone. I did. Because <laughs> I had a migraine I couldn't get rid of for two days, so. Yeah. That dad will straight to you. Shot in my butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, honestly. Yeah. So I'm, like, glad to hear it. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Emily definitely gets worse migraines than me, but we both have them as a yeah. thing. Yeah. So, cool. Good yeah. to know I can get a shot straight in my butt. Mm-hmm. Love it. Excited. Yeah. yeah, it'll make you sleep a whole bunch, too. Oh, that sounds rad. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to take a nap for roughly 24 straight hours. I would Is love that. that because of your research or... It's Just not not because of my research. Life. Okay. Yeah, you guys. Yeah. Y'all might also want to take a nap for 24 straight hours after this one. Yeah, Taylor, like, indulged me as, like, a birthday gift to me of, like, who's the one person you'd really, really, really want to do? And obviously, I said Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Because... Because obviously, I mean, obviously, if anybody knows anything about Ted Bundy, he's fascinating and gross and super gross. Um, yeah. So to combat that, cause like that's a heavy hitter. Yeah. That's a big boy yeah. as far as murder goes. Um, oh, yeah. so I was like, well, what if so, I kept yeah. it local? Yeah. And I what went if with, we went subtle. Yeah. yeah I just subtle. subtle. And I just do a good old Jeffrey Dahmer. Whoopsie doodle buns. Whoops. And now here we are having looked far too much into these two horrible individuals. But on the upside... Is there an upside? No, but um, they both have movies coming out that star former Disney actors. Yes! So, like, it's when Disney goes really wrong <laughs> and it brings everyone together. Right. I am... Are you... Is it My Friend Dahmer? Is that the one? Yeah. Is that coming out or did that come out? Oh, let me see. Because to be honest, I'm not sure. I know we're both really excited about the Zac Efron... Ted Bundy one. Yeah. Oh, it came out 2017. Fuck. Okay, we got to get on that. We have to watch that crazy shit. Yeah, mm, please. Do we? Please. Do we? Because <laughs> Ross what? Lynch, who was Disney. Mm-hmm. And then Zac Efron, who was also Disney. Right. Are now playing serial killers. So I guess, like, you have to go on Disney and then... And then do a complete then, 180. Yeah. With your life and your roles. Yeah. Um, Talk about some fucked up shit. Yeah. But if anybody is listening hasn't seen, like, the pictures from production on the Ted Bundy one, what's it called? Is it just called? It's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Is that a quote somebody said about him? It might be. I just feel like it has to be. Because, like, that's V-specific. Yeah. And also, like, describes him really well. It really does. Um, but yeah, Zac Efron looks so much like Ted Bundy, like the way they've made him up. It's really creepy. It's really creepy. It's like hard to look at him. And it makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if this comes to theaters, if I want to see it in theaters. Ooh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can handle that. It's a big face. It's it's a a big big Ted Bundy face. It's a big Ted Bundy face. (laughs) Right there in front of you for like two hours. You need to be in front of people, so if you want to run screaming away from it, like, I mean, everyone will know. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Maybe we could have a movie night. I mean, we'll we can watch just these. watch these back to back. Yeah. It's fine. It'll be great. And then we can, like... Kill ourselves? Or get really drunk. 
So kill ourselves. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Potato, potato. You know. Right. So. We apologize for what's about to happen. Um, we have, we have prepared similarly to when a few episodes ago when we had Kat here, we have wine and also a whiskey shot that we will take. It's at the emerger whiskey. Yes, emerger whiskey. Uh, when we feel we can no longer handle the situation without some additional help, we will take our shots. <laughs> so, so is it like emergency? Yeah, emergency. I like that. For a little portmanteau. For a little portmanteau, and also it sounds like emergency, that uh, cold remedy stuff. Well, I mean, this will knock cold out of you. Yeah, I believe it will. It's Irish whiskey. Uh, if you drink enough of it, you'll be so hungover, you'll forget you were sick. Yeah, it's so, true. I think that works. Yeah, it's one way to handle a cold, <laughs> I guess. One way to do it. All right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's, uh... Ooh. Mm. Let's fucking do it. Okay. We gotta psych ourselves up just a little bit. Like, okay. okay. We're gonna talk about some motherfuckers and it's gonna be alright. Alright. Because also we're talking about people who survive them. So that's rad. I'm gonna start. Yes. With an excerpt oh. from a letter that Ted Bundy wrote to Anne Rule. I already wish you wouldn't do that. Who, um, she used to work with him at a suicide prevention hotline and then she ended up writing one of his biographies. Because they got really close. Oh, yeah. Quote. You've called it karma. It may be. Yet whatever supernatural force guides our destinies, it has brought us together in some mind-expanding situations. I must believe that this invisible hand will pour more chilled Chablis for us in less treacherous, more tranquil times to come. Love, Ted. Holy shit. That was written in 1976. So just remember that date. 1976. Okay. Yeah. Oh, All right. Man. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Ted Bundy. Oh, please. Let's. So in his final interview, which I'll get into, um, it's with this man who's very religious and was running on like a platform of like, Hey, pornography is bad. Pornography is responsible for murder. Like, and then Ted Bundy was like, yeah. It was totally pornography's fault that I did what I did. 100%. Was he just digging this guy oh, around? Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. He must have been so bored. Oh, yeah. This is like, hey, this is the last, like, four days of my life. Fuck right. it. <laughs> fuck it. Seriously, though, when th that's the only time you can say fuck it and have it be like, absolutely, my dude, go for it. Whatever yeah. you need. So Bundy tried to state that he was not abused and that he did not grow up in a broken home and that he had five brothers and sisters and... Everything was wonderful. Mm. About that. Uh-huh. It was not true. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy came from a less than stellar household. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was born in a home for unwed mothers in Philadelphia. Mm. Because his mother, which he found out later in life, who he had been raised thinking was his sister, was actually his mother. And his father was actually his grandfather. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might jack you right up. At yeah. At least a little bit. Yeah, he he found it in some paperwork, and he figured out his parentage. And he always really, like, idolized his grandfather, who was, like, a racist asshole who was abusing his children, obviously. <sighs> Fabulous. And just, like, 
a horrible human being, very cold. And this whole time he thought that was his dad? Uh, yeah, no, he, th- yeah, he thought that was his dad mm-hmm. and that his mom was his sister. Right. And then he found paperwork stating otherwise. And he focused on the fact that he was an illegitimate child and he got really resentful and envious of other people's lives, of having money and nice houses and things. Mm-hmm. So his mother, once everything came out, his mother got married to Ted Bundy's stepfather. And they had, like, four children together. And the stepfather did everything in his power. Like, he adopted Ted. Like, he wanted to make him legit. Oh, so he was, like, a decent guy? Yeah, he was a really decent guy, which is probably where he tries to pull the foundation of, yeah, I had a really good home life with two supporting parents. Sure. Yeah. Like, maybe you kind of did in a way, but, like, you were already so angry about it. Oh, yeah. And it was also, he talks about this need for possessions, Mm -hmm. which just echoes a narcissistic personality, and that comes into play later with his killings, and uh, there's a story from his aunt that said when Ted was three years old, she was taking a little nappy-poo and woke up to a smiling three-year-old Ted Standing by her bed where he'd surrounded her with knives. Oh my god, there's just like knives all around her on the bed. Oh. Yeah. Dude, that's terrifying. Just smiling. Just children Mm -hmm. are the worst. Mm -hmm. They get so creepy sometimes. Yeah. So he went to a couple of schools out on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, one of which was the University of Washington, where he'd transferred to study Chinese. And then later went back to, to study psychology hmm. and then went to law school for a little bit. But he met a girl <laughs> named Stephanie Brooks, which most people know about. Hi, Stephanie. Yep, brunette. Uh-huh. She broke up with him. He got mad. He then met Liz, who was his girlfriend for most of the killing. Mm-hmm. And then he secretly went back to date Stephanie Brooks again got engaged, and then broke it off in a move of vengeance because he was pissed that she broke up with him. So I yeah. have to imagine he start, he's already dating Liz. Mm-hmm. He's been broken up by Stephanie. They meet up again. He starts dating Stephanie again behind Liz's back. And introduces himself like as her fiancé, is introducing her to family, like all of this shit. Like really serious about their really relationship. Really serious about it. And then is like, bye, bitch. <laughs> like so he has problems yeah with he people. doesn't take rejection well no not at all hmm. um i i wonder if like that's yeah it just all stems from obviously he has he has issues narcissism. And he has issues feeling invalidated as a human being because right. of his childhood mm-hmm. of being an illegitimate child especially in the 40s and 50s yeah having that and being born out of wedlock. Right. <laughs> so he got drunk one night. Good. Always always starts off a story well that. Um... Yeah. So he got drunk in 1974. Or no, 1973. 1973, he got drunk and followed a woman out of the bar and then continued to follow her until she got to her door. Oh, the nightmare. It's the nightmare. And then he ran away. Oh, so he's just trying some shit out. He did it again 
Only this time he grabbed the stick, he hit her, and then he ran away. So he's escalating, but like no, from like just slowly, like slowly, because he was arrested for like peeping Tom and burglary when he was eighteen. Oh, and like robbery. But so, so he's skirting around the edges of hurting people. Yeah. Um. So he got back into being a peeping Tom and masturbating outside people's windows. Ew, Ted. Or I guess a peeping Ted. <laughs> Why don't we call it that? And eventually, that just it wasn't it wasn't doing it. Oh, I'm shocked. So January 4th, 1974 brings us to the first official survivor of Ted Bundy. And I'm only going to talk about the survivors that were attacked by him because he had a lot of encounters where people got away. Sure. Before like he the could famous attack. story of like the woman who was like a graduate student and he asked her to help her, like help him to his car oh. with like bags mm-hmm. with a cast on and like. He tried yeah. to abduct her and she ran back inside. So she just you're just covering ones where he got far enough to actually start attacking. Like he could have killed them. Sure. Sounds good. So this first victim, Joni Lentz, um, she was asleep in a basement room of a big house that she was splitting with several other people. Mm-hmm. Um, she was pretty quiet and reserved. So the next day... Um, when her housemates hadn't seen her at all, they decided to go check on her. Mm-hmm. And they found her lying in her bed. Her hair and face were matted with dried blood. Oh, shit. She'd been beaten with a metal rod that had been broken from the bed frame. Mm. And... I'm so sorry. This one's probably going to need a content warning. Ugh. As Yeah. Uh, so they pulled the covers back, and they found that... The rod that he'd beaten her with had been brutally jammed up inside of her. Oh, no. So she lived Mm -hmm. through the attack. But, I mean, obviously, it was bad news bears. Like, there was a lot of internal damage done. Um, She never regained her memory of the attack. And she suffered severe brain damage following it. Oh, Oh, sweet baby. Yeah. She just happened to be... In the basement room with easy access. Right. Yeah, you just yeah. snuck in. Ugh. Yeah. So by July of 1974, six other girls had gone missing. Oh, he so was he's taking just... about one a month. Yeah, he's moving fast now. And uh, they, the cops had a name for it. Uh, the cops were calling it the Girl of the Month Club. Oh, no. While they were tracking all of the people that were disappearing. Hey, cops, that sucks. It's real gross. <laughs> it's not tasteful it's at all. It's real gross. Uh. Yeah, it's nasty. So one of the things that they talk about at the end in his interviews is just how he was able to depersonalize himself from the victims, especially if you watch him in the courtrooms where he's putting on the great show. Like, he just compartmentalizes everything. He, at one point, actually laughed about a victim while he was talking about them. Just in, like in a trial? No, oh. this was in an interview. In an interview. Oh, still no, though. Yeah, he just he laughed about it. He so, doesn't like, no feel guilt, anything. No remorse. Probably has no fucking no emotions conscience. whatsoever, except for anger. Yeah, he had a quote that he said he was ninety nine percent normal and one percent abnormal, which is one hundred percent not true. I think you flip it, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, a narcissist. I'm sure he's gonna be like, no, oh, I'm he fine. He thinks he's great. Mm-hmm. 
I'm fine. I just killed people because it felt cool, and uh, I I never tell myself to not do anything. So yeah. So his girlfriend Elizabeth Klopfer, uh, nay Elizabeth Kendall. Um, that was his girlfriend, Liz. I'm just gonna call her Liz. Um, she called the cops on him like three times, and nothing was ever done. Oh no. Yeah. Like, just for, like, violent behavior? He was real weird. And, like... <laughs> <laughs> what? Ted Bundy weird? What? No. <laughs> so, she found, like, pantyhose in his stuff. A giant box of keys. So, souvenirs from shit yeah. he's done? And he kept wanting to tie her up. Mm-mm. And they had, like, bondage sex, because he was really into it. And then he told her at one point he actually thought about killing her. Like, he was really honest about it. Yeah. And you know what? Um, if somebody's that yeah. honest with you and vulnerable, you should really just sit around, take it, definitely not call the authorities. <laughs> yeah. Just be with him forever. Just, you know. Liz. <laughs> I hate everything. This poor woman. Yeah. I mean, it was just a horrible horrible time she doesn't stay with him though she is not the one that he proposes to on the stand oh that's right yeah because of a weird loophole in florida law where if you propose to someone under oath on the stand you can make it official right then and there oh my god yeah that person's person's name is carol ann boone yeah that's that's who he proposed to carol ann oh honey yeah well i'm glad that liz got away yeah so When he was asked why he killed, he said that he wanted to possess them like he would a Porsche or a potted plant, I guess. So, you know, people are potted plants. Well, they're definitely not people. I'm Ted Bundy. Yeah. (laughs) No no one's people but me. Yeah. And then another quote from him that's really unsettling is, if you have enough time, you can do anything you want to them. I mean, technically, yeah, Ted. (laughs) You shouldn't want to, though. But he did, and he does. Damn him. So he killed in seven states, I think. Yes. Washington State, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, Florida, Idaho, and Vermont. Damn, those are all about. Yeah. Yeah. So he was arrested during a failed abduction in Utah and was actually sentenced to 15 years for the kidnapping. But he escaped. This is my favorite part of this story. I am going to say, like, we both know more about our people than we usually do going into these stories. Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I didn't know a lot of that stuff you just said. But uh, this is my favorite part of Ted Bundy's story. (laughs) It is a nuts... uh, (laughs) yeah and like the weird thing is like his his cell like mates nearby Mm -hmm. were reporting what was going on as they were hearing like weird noises coming out of his jail cell because isn't he digging his way out yeah like fucking shawshank yeah style like yeah digging his way out and then he escaped and he made his way to florida (laughs) from utah Dang. Guys. I didn't realize he'd gotten that far. Yeah. He made it all the way down to Florida. Holy shit. 
And then the next time he escaped is when he jumped out of the library window. Oh, yeah. When he was representing himself and he was able to be without handcuffs and they left him alone. Oh, my God. In the uh, second story library, courthouse library, and he jumped. That's one way to do it. And Which then, one? like, stayed in the cabin. That's the one That's where he's the in the one. cabin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just, like, wanders through the woods caught. until he finds a cabin yeah, and he and hangs, he out, hangs out. Just chilling. Yeah. So, when he was in Florida, he... This is my second survivor group. Mm-hmm. And my third was Florida. Mm-hmm. Because he recognized the fact that he was regressing and he went back to burglaries and being a peeping Ted. Really? Yeah. Before he completely and totally had a mental break and snapped. Interesting. So one of his more well-known murders is when he went to the uh, Florida State University's Chi Omega sorority house. Yeah. I think if anybody knows Ted Bundy for anything... It's, it's probably that. that. It's that. Yeah. Um, that was January 14th of 1978. So he's been at this for a while now. Mm-hmm. Has he been in Florida for about a week before he did that? Just peeping Tom in? Yeah. Just breaking in and peeping it. And then just was like, you know what? And I was like, you know what? It's fine. They all deserve to die, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Great. So he uh. got in through the back door because of like a bad lock. He was able to open it up. And he started at about 2.45 a.m. Everyone in the sorority house is asleep. Almost. And uh, he bludgeoned Margaret Bowman, who was 21, with a piece of firewood as she slept. And then strangled her with nylon stocking. And I got to add a word to my dictionary uh-huh. of garroted. I got to add it to my... Word document dictionary, because oh, apparently, good. like, Google Word doesn't know the word garroted. <laughs> I just wish you wouldn't fucking talk about I it. I mean, probably, but, Excuse like... Excuse me, we're Google Docs. Um, we're a family yeah, thing. But, um, like, Please don't talk no, about garroting. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so then he went into the bedroom of Lisa Levy, who was 20, beat her unconscious, strangled her, tore one of her nipples. Ugh! Ugh! bit deeply into her left butt cheek and then sexually assaulted her with a hair mist bottle. All right, Christian Grey. And also, while I was doing all of this horrible research, someone got a tattoo of Ted Bundy's bite mark. No. Yes. No. So there were, like, what, photos released of the bite mark? Oh, yeah. It's like a full... (sighs) They didn't get it on their butt cheek, which I guess, like, some people on Reddit were really upset about. Like, if you're going to do this, then do do it it, right. Get it on the right place. Yeah. But, like, it's a full. It's. mm, 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 mm. That is some Mm -mm. shit. Yeah. So he then went into Kathy Kleiner's bedroom. He broke her jaw, um, deeply lacerated her shoulder. And then he went to Karen Chandler's bedroom Gave her a concussion, a broken jaw, which resulted in the loss of some of her teeth, and then crushed her finger. God. The Tallahassee detectives figured out that the four attacks took place in less than 15 minutes, with an earshot of, like, 
30 other witnesses that heard nothing. I mean, yeah. And they talk about, like, the women talk about how thin those walls were. Like, you could hear people getting ready. So they were like, how did we not hear this happening? How was he so... He must have been so swift and, like, so purposeful in in knowing exactly he'd have to get in the room and he'd have to stop them from making a sound, carry out all this shit, and get right out again. Well, and there's one, one witness who was like, yeah, I went to the bathroom at, like... 2.45 in the morning, and I noticed the hall light had been switched off, and I almost went downstairs to get a glass of water, but then I didn't, and she's got this idea that, like, she could have stopped him, she could have spooked him, Hmm. but it's like, no, you probably would have just died. He sounds like he's in fucking beast mode right now. Yeah, he's just, he's there to kill. I don't think he would have stopped, yeah. Yep, so Nita Neary came home late and testified that she saw a man with a sharp, thin nose leaving through the front door with a stick or a club in his hand. Shit. And then five minutes later, Karen Chandler, who survived, stumbled from her room. Um, her sorority sisters had been awakened by Nita Neary freaking out, and they all stared at Karen in horror because her jaw, her right arm, and her finger were all broken. Her skull oh. was fractured, and then there were gashes and abrasions from being clubbed. And then inside her... Her roommate, Kathy Kleiner, also survived mm-hmm. and apparently just sat cross-legged on her bed, rocking back and forth and calling for her fiancé and her pastor as blood was pouring from her mouth because oh. her jaw was broken and she was missing teeth. Oh, so both of the women who have their jaws broken yeah. live and like just, oh, what her, first of all, what a horrific injury to come yeah. upon because your jaw's just fucking hanging Yeah, or it's like all fucked up on the side of your face. Oh, yeah, poor ladies. Well, and like the thing with the jaw is like if with some of them, it'll never be set again properly. So right. they'll always be in pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So Kathy Kleiner talks about living with this pain forever and ever and ever and ever. She oh. has this constant reminder of Ted Bundy. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So my last survivor is also from Florida. Because mm-hmm. like up to this point, if he took someone, it was pretty much game over. Like, he wasn't in all of his other rampages. You won't. I didn't find a lot of like information about survivors in between when he first started and when he ended. Sure. Because he just he was so meticulous. Mm -hmm. Also, I would just like to point out Ted Bundy took heads for souvenirs. Just throwing that out there. Cool. He was real gross and real into necrophilia and man, we were talking just now about how our people have some things in common. Mm-hmm. There's one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And he liked to go like visit his victims. Oh, like where you put them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> See, I'm again, that just feels like narcissism. Like, yeah. Look at this thing I did. Yeah. I'm going to dwell on it. Cause I yeah. love it. And like, there's tons of other sources out there where they get into detail on all that i'm not gonna because it's been covered everywhere else legit and it's gross (laughs) it's nasty (laughs) so his last survivor after he left the sorority house because i mean he was only there for like 15 minutes right so he's just he leaves the house and goes and does more yeah i hate him yeah so he broke into a basement apartment again basements it's like a weird bookmark if you live in a basement you guys have locks in your windows. Mm-hmm. Like, please. Yeah. It's this weird, like, weird bookmark of he started with a basement victim and he's ending pretty yeah. much with a basement victim. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Almost too good. Like a so, story. 
Yeah, he broke into the Florida State University student Cheryl Thomas's basement apartment. He dislocated her shoulder, fractured her jaw. What is yeah, that? And her skull in five places. Ugh. So she was left with permanent deafness and equilibrium damage that ended her dance career. Oh, no. She was a dancer. Yep. Uh. And on her bed, they found a semen stain and a pantyhose mask containing two hairs similar to Bundy's in class and characteristic. He left evidence. Yeah. So he's really, he's not paying as much attention. No. As he has in the past. Yeah. So he gets arrested and is put on trial in Florida. And America was kind of like, whoa, (laughs) when they saw Bundy. Yeah. Because this was at the beginning of televised trials. So his was one of the first trials that was actually televised. Oh, my God. I bet so many fucking people watched that. Mm -hmm. Well, and like he's this upstanding gentleman well-educated, representing himself. He's a Republican. Right. So, like, it can't be bad, right? No, of course not. Republicans oh, don't kill people. No, never in their lives. I'm pretty sure BTK wasn't a Republican. Mm. No, he probably was. Probs. Not like shit, he probably was. Oh, probs. I feel like most serial killers are Republicans. Of some kind or another. Like, just it's saying. Just, it seems look, like... Look, if you're a listener and you're a Republican, we don't think you're a serial killer, but just, like... Maybe just like, you know, the ideal of the Republican Party. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my God, Taylor. And we just lost all of our listeners. You think all of our listeners are Republicans I with how not. much we talk so about sorry. garbage? I doubt it. I think we had one and then we lost him. Did I tell you the story of the one comment we ever had? No. We have one comment on our shout engine and oh. I think we were talking about men, um, like, I, just like saying things and not really. <laughs> Oh, like yeah, doing the thing that we do. Yeah. And, well, you know, sometimes we just bitch about men. It's fine. Like, we don't actually hate them. Um, and then just, just one comment of a guy being like, you think men are like that? Do you ladies even hear yourselves? And that's it. <laughs> so I think that guy stopped listening. And he was But I mean, if you are listening, we do hear ourselves. And also, you should listen to the episode where we talk about what men have done to us. Yeah. So... Do that. I think it's episode 13. Yeah. Go. Also, please go fuck yourself. Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> First, second, and third. Oh, fuck yeah. We don't need you. So. Anyway, so Ted Bundy clearly listens to our podcast and left that comment. Uh, obviously. <laughs> yep. He came back to life. Right. In order to leave that comment. Right. So he was arrested and these two people, John and Marsha Tanner, deeply religious evangelical they saw him and were like we can help this man no you can't help everybody so they saw him on the tv and they were like marcia was like the lord just told me that you're going to have a dramatic influence over his life talking to her husband oh god so they they got in touch with him and were working with him and they were there for his last communion and apparently bundy administered the last communion really yeah it was uh, it's gross that's a tainted ass communion i'm sorry it is like super gross jesus is mad about that yeah (laughs) so this is when our evangelist from the meese commission real thing because he (laughs) was (laughs) meese meese you know meese 
a Meese, you know. <laughs> so he was very anti-porn, and like that was part of the Meese commission of figuring out the influences of porn on the community and violence and Ugh. all this shit. So James Dobson was his final interview and went in because Bundy was like, yes, oh, God, porn, porn did this to me. <laughs> Dear Lord, forgive me. And James Dobson was like, yes, we need to talk. Oh, no. Buddy, you were getting taken in. Oh, yeah. <coughs> so that was his last interview. But before that, like during the trial, he stated he was innocent and chose to defend himself because there was not a better lawyer out there than him, even though he didn't finish law school, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that he even went makes him, like, a little better than a lot of people who want to defend themselves. He also, like, mimicked a lot of, like, as-seen-on-TV lawyers. Oh, shocking. And how they talked and carried themselves and, like, hand motions. (laughs) Like, he faked it really well Mm -hmm. for everyone but the jury. Because the jury wasn't buying it. (laughs) And it got to, like, one point where he was cross-examining someone and he was getting so detailed in the cross-examination. It was like he was reliving the crime. Oh, gross. Real gross. And then I have in my notes, I have capitalized, this bitch got married under oath because of a loophole in the law to his girlfriend while she was on the stand. Oh, so she was on the stand and he's asking her questions. Yeah. And then he said, do you want to marry me? Ugh. And she said, yes. Ugh. And then he's like, because I want to marry you. And then they they got married. And then they were just, because you say that, you're married Mm -hmm. now? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, sorry, trial of the century. This sounds amazing. Like, if yeah. I was watching this at home, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. I'd be like throwing shit across the room. Yeah. Yeah. It was real gross. So he was executed by electrocution in Florida on January 24th, 1989. Cool. Good. As he was being walked to the electric chair, he was confessing to another crime on a tape recorder. What's the point of that? I I'm think t- it, it was either he was trying to buy himself more time Oh, being like, like, talk to me about this crime. Yeah, I've got way more because they originally were thinking he was responsible for like 14 or 15 crimes. And then the number jumped to like 35 and then the number jumped to 100. (laughs) So it's somewhere between like 35 to 100 victims with a lot of bodies that were never found. My God. And unnamed victims. So there's this one exchange from the transcripts of the trial that I really just want to read. Am I going to hate it? No, you're going to love it. You're oh. going to fucking love it. Okay, great. So Judge Cowart made a ruling that there there wouldn't be any like new evidence on Ted's teeth, no subpoenas, um, because of the bite marks. He's oh, like, yeah. no, this is it. This is staying in. And Ted wanted to reopen the case to be like, no, come on. Like, I need to fight this. I want to fight this. And Judge Cowart, quote, Mr. Bundy, you may jump up and down, hang from the chandelier, do anything you want to, but the court has ruled and the case is closed. Ted mutters something derogatory under his breath. <laughs> Cowart, you impress me not, sir. <laughs> Bundy, well, I suppose the feeling is mutual, your honor. Cowart, I'm sure it is, bless your heart. Oh my god, the most <laughs> southern motherfucker I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Bless your heart. You impress oh, me not. Bless your heart. I love him. He sounds like a Shakespearean character. Yeah. I'm proud of him. I have two quotes to end with. Oh, good. As I come to a conclusion on 
Ted Bundy. Tedatha Bundy. Tedatha Bundy. The conclusion. Uh, this was to Bill Hagmeyer, um, who he did interviews with over the years while he was in prison and arrested. Um, their first meeting was 1986. And then the last meeting was January 22nd, 1989. Hmm. So two days before his execution. Okay. Um, this quote is from 1986. You're like a fisherman who fishes for years and catches a small fish, sometimes a medium fish. You get lucky and you get a big fish. But you know there's a real big fish under there that always gets away. You and your group are going to get a lot of serial killers, and they're going to help you. But with the real good ones, the only way you're going to know what goes on under the water is to go under the water. The fisherman drowns going underwater, but I can take you there without drowning. If I trust you, and if I decide. Whoa. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Max is so poetic, like, so often. Yeah. Speaking of poetic. Oh, yeah. He did write poetry. Oh, my God, I'm shocked. This is my last thing, and then I'm probably going to take that shot. I'm surprised you've lasted this long. I'm proud of you. I know. It's because I did an overview. I didn't go into like a lot of the details of his murders because sure. that gets really, really freaking nasty really fast, mm-hmm. guys. Oof. Yeah. Okay. So you're still as smooth as a baby. Your hair is still soft. The laugh of a child still delights me. Change was inevitable, but not age. And you did change. Mm-hmm. You became more of a woman, deeper, stronger. You must have been a beautiful baby. Uh, oh my oh. god, it's so gross. Oh, gross. Oh, it's so gross. Nope. It's so gross. Yucky. Yeah. He's an icky man. He's so gross. Hey, he's dead now. Mm. He is. Good, you fuck. And there were people singing, na 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 na, na 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 na, hey, goodbye, once he got I carried out. That. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, people were literally people singing were that? People were literally... There's footage of people singing that. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's actually really funny. huge protests, and there were people who were, like, anti-death and, like, anti-execution, and it's like, you know, if he gets out again, he's going to kill. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just... That's... The death penalty exists for people like Bundy. And yes. it fucks up a lot. And I... Oh, I, yeah. I, I understand people's reservations with it, for sure. Absolutely. It exists for people like Bundy. Or it should, anyway. He will never be rehabilitated. That's not... He... He, he his can't. Mind he doesn't want to be. too broken, and he is so narcissistic that he thinks he is the end-all, be-all of right. men. He definitely doesn't think he's done anything wrong. No. <laughs> no. <sighs> so, yeah. That's uh, a that few was... of the survivors of Ted Bundy. It was Ted Bundy and his lovely lady survivors, who I hope are doing okay. Yeah. So remember, Your turn. remember how last week was "Oops, all cannibalism." Oops, we did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all cannibalism all the time, Just obviously. Half. Just half. Just half cannibalism. Um, and actually, to be real, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. My, my person, I have my own opinions. About exactly. It. Yeah. My my uh, my person is Jeffrey Dahmer, as mentioned before, and um, there's actually kind of a lot of controversy around uh, things that Jeffrey did or did not do. Um, so we'll we'll chat about that. But uh, yeah, content warning again. This gets really gross. Yeah. Like I did. 
I, I have, I, I, I breeze over a lot. Um, I try, but I am thinking like Ted Bundy is one thing. And then Jeffrey Dahmer is obviously he's well known, but maybe not as well known to people who weren't around here because he's our guy. Yeah. Like when people think about Wisconsin serial killers, like it's Jeffrey Dahmer and yeah. probably Ed Gein. Yeah. I was alive when Dahmer was active. Yes. And living in Milwaukee. As was I. I think he was on trial in 1992. Yeah. So um, you were three and I was two. Yeah. Hanging so, out. Yeah, just chilling. Just being babies. Living that fucking life. So yeah, um, I do go into a little bit. I apologize. Um, it's not as much cannibalism as it is... Gross. Necro- yeah, yeah, gross. Necrophilia is gross. <laughs> so... Just a warning. Yeah, and this is why you guys like me better, because I didn't talk about the necrophilia. Shut up. I'm, he- I'm here to do the dirty work. <laughs> I hate everything so much. So obviously, like, I'm the better one for not <laughs> talking about it. Rude. Because I could have. All right, fine. Okay. Douchebag. Jeffrey Dahmer. Stats. <laughs> <laughs> Between 1978 and 1991, Dahmer killed 17 men and boys. He did. <laughs> you just took your shot and your face is amazing. Oh. Ah. Um, I am here to talk about three survivors, uh, Preston Davis, Billy Capshaw, and Tracy Edwards. Um, oh, Tracy Edwards. Yes. Uh, people may know Tracy Edwards because um, that was Dahmer's last intended victim and is the reason why Dahmer eventually got caught. Um, but fewer people know about Preston Davis and uh, Billy Capshaw, so I'm excited to talk about them. First, a little background on... Um, our good, our, good Jeffrey Dahmer boy. Our nasty boy, as I, as I think I would like to call him. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. <laughs> oh, God. That was his father's name, but still not an excuse. What a horrible name. Uh, was born on May 21st, 1960. As a child, he was really shy. He was terrified of new people and situations. He just kind of got more shy and withdrawn as he got older. That was just his jam. Um, in 1968, his father... 1968. 1968. It's not even 1969. Yeah, good job. Good job. Um, I was actually mad because my notes skipped defiantly over 1969, Mm. um, as if nothing happened to him in that, uh, year, and I couldn't say nice even once, so. (sighs) I know, I'm very sad. Yeah. So... so hard. Right. In 1968, uh, Lionel reported that Jeffrey, uh, was sexually abused by another boy in their neighborhood of Bath, Ohio. But Jeffrey never reported having remembered the incident. Just building the case here. Yep, just starting out. In 1970, Jeffrey's mother had a pretty severe uh, anxiety disorder most of her life. She was hospitalized twice. And that was also the year Jeffrey started acting out. This apparently included heavy drinking. Mm. Now remember, I said our good Jeffo <laughs> was born in 1960. This is 1970. He is 10 years old. When he started drinking heavily. Oh, boy. So, things are going pretty good in the yeah, life and mind. sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> in just the, living. Yeah, he's just living a normal-ass drunk mm. kid life. Yeah. Being the tiniest drunk boy that's ever existed. In 1978, um, he's 18 now. He graduates high school. And he moved out of his parents' home uh, to live on his own. Because he had just turned 18. Um, and so, let's just add that to the pile, too. Because now he's on his own. His parents are going through a nasty divorce. He's been a shit teenager who drinks too much. And now he has his own apartment. So great. Um, during this time, he's also noted to have liked examining animal carcasses. Of course. 
Friends said, of course, of course, friends said he liked to pick up roadkill and take it to the shed behind his house to skim the bodies. He also had a small animal cemetery where I presume he buried the skinned animals. There were rumors that he killed neighborhood dogs and cats and mounted a dog's head on a stake. Oh, I am. I'm like, as I'm doing this research, I'm waiting to hear when he hit his head, you know, like, yeah, he's he's fucking textbook. Where's the stuff he lit on fire? Like, he's two things Literally, away. Literally, like, yeah. You know what he needs those fucking... Watch out for kids that do this stuff, my... Seriously. My God. Get them some help. Guys, like, if you see someone, like, killing an animal, or you've heard of someone killing an animal, get them help. Right. Because they're probably going to escalate to humans. If you drop your kid when they're, like, two, and then maybe their personality changes a little bit, get them some help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so Jeffrey's first victim. So less than three weeks after graduating high school, Dahmer picks up, um, his first, his first victim who is a man. Uh, so no time wasted whatsoever. Not even, not, not even any. Got right on it. Stephen Hicks was hitchhiking and Jeffrey offered to take him to his house for a couple of beers just to chill. Hicks agreed. Um, but then when Hicks late eventually after hanging out wanted to leave, Jeffrey bludgeoned him with a barbell and then strangled him with it. So he doesn't like it when you want to leave. That's, that's the number one takeaway well, from Jeffrey so far. Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey doesn't like it when you leave. Um, okay. You know, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Here. Oh, I did do a little bit of a content warning, but I'm just saying like for anybody who doesn't maybe know exactly what went on with Jeffrey Dahmer, I assume you probably do, but just in fucking case you've been. Living under a rock. I have to go. After, <laughs> after killing Stephen Hicks, Dahmer dissected his body, yep. stripped the flesh from the bones, yep. dissolved the flesh in acid, pulverized the bones, and buried any remaining evidence in his backyard. So yeah, that's what Dahmer do. That's how Dahmer do it. Um, so here we are. I We're don't gonna- like it. We actually are going to take a break from the killing for a little bit, though. Oh, hey! There is about nine years between his first killing and his second, because he was doing stuff. It wasn't good, but it wasn't killing. I'm about to get to our first two survivors. Mm. Dahmer eventually rolled in college in Ohio, but that didn't work out because he was an alcoholic. (laughs) And then he enlisted in the army, but that didn't work out because he was an alcoholic. (laughs) But actually, I'm not going to gloss over his stint in the army. He was there... I want to say from like 1979 to 1981, he was made a medic because he failed other things. <laughs> They're like, you can, you can bandage put, people, put bandages just, on just, people. Um, don't pick up a weapon. <laughs> right. Um, it's so fucked up that he was a medic though. It's so fucked up. But he had to go through basic training. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he made it through that at least. Here's the thing. They, they mentioned this several times in everything I read about this time period. This was directly after the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. A lot of the people who were still enlisted had just been to Vietnam. Morale is incredibly low. There's no leadership. Yeah. Um, everybody is drinking and getting high. Like, the army is nothing at this point. Yeah. Utterly Things defeated. Things fall through the cracks very easily. Absolutely. And Jeffrey fell through those cracks. All of them. He was stationed in Germany, and our two survivors were stationed with him. Um, so Dahmer's first victim here was Preston Davis. He was a young black man who did not care for Dahmer because Dahmer was super fucking racist. Shocking. Ah, um, imagine that. I will say that all, all but three of Dahmer's 
total victims were black or non-white. Yeah. There's like a couple of Asian guys, mostly black. Yeah. And he, yeah. So, you know, just take that as you take it. Jeffrey Dahmer's the worst. Um, so yeah, he didn't, Preston Davis did not like Dahmer. Not only because he was fucking racist, but because he was always, 100% of the time, belligerently drunk. And weird. <laughs> and super weird. And he would talk all the time about the guy he killed back in Ohio. Oh, that's subtle. <laughs> Preston Davis was so funny, this too, because they were like, he'd be like, we uh, killed a guy, and we'd be like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fucking believed no, this. No, you idiot. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so only in the last few months has Davis revealed what happened to him. Like, literally everything I read about Davis's story was from November of 2017. So for most of his life, this man has either not talked about this or straight up didn't remember it. Hmm. So in 1979, Davis and Dahmer were uh, doing a field exercise in Belgium when their car broke down and they were far away from where they needed to be. Um, and so he reports that Dahmer uh, drugged him and sexually assaulted him at some point over the couple of days that they're sort of stuck together. He's mm. not exactly sure when. He sort of slowly recovered memories over time. Um, yeah, so that's all. That's one thing that he for sure knows happened to him, but it took him a very long time to start talking about it. I guess in 2009, he recovered the memories. Um, and then, unfortunately, like due to the trauma... Davis himself turned to drinking and his military career went downhill and yeah. he left the military short, shortly after. And unfortunately, <laughs> for the next guy, he did that. So now, replacing Davis because he decided to leave is uh, Billy Capshaw, who enlisted in 1979 and he had the misfortune of rooming with Dahmer for almost a year. And this gets fucking horrific. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> Dahmer began physically abusing Capshaw within the first few days. Yeah, that's quick. Yeah. I mean, like, he was cool for, like, a second. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, by the way, I am going to start beating you with an iron rod. Yeah. So I I found that kind of interesting. You said that um, one of Bundy's victims was beaten with a, like, a... He liked to use clubs and stuff. Well, an iron pole from the bed, right? That's literally what Dahmer did to Billy. Took an iron part of the bed off and beat him with it. Yeah. On his joints, specifically. Yeah, like where it would hurt the most. And he started controlling every aspect of Billy's life. Like, the most fucked up abusive relationship. And they're not in a relationship. They're just fucking roommates. But this includes... They were roommates. Oh my god, they were roommates. (laughs) (laughs) This included locking Billy in uh, their room for days at a time. To the point where, at one point, Billy was believed to have gone AWOL. But he was just stuck in his fucking room because he, he never showed up. Get out. Yeah, he would never showed up for anything, and it didn't matter. This is how bad the military was at this time. There was no oversight. No one cared that he never showed up for training of any kind because he was always stuck in that room. Um, Dahmer made sure that no correspondence from Billy's family ever reached him. Um, he, if Billy had to go to the doctor for his injuries that Dahmer inflicted, because Dahmer was a medic, he could convince the doctor that he was looking after Billy himself. And then take him back to his room with nobody looking into it. And I mean, I mean, he drugged him. He tied him up. He, he would, did all he sorts would, of nasty, nasty things. He would force him to not disassociate from the abuse. Oh, but, God. Yeah. Quote from Capshaw. He had me tied naked to a bunk. And beside me, he was naked himself and holding me like I would hold a woman. He raped me, sexually molested me. He tortured me. The attacks 
um, the attacks, things like that, were continuous and almost every day. So at one point, Billy began to formulate a plan to kill Dahmer. Yeah. Um, he planned to hit him over the head with a pipe and say that he had fallen out of his bunk while wasted. Pretty good plan. Yep. Um, but the thought of getting caught and going to prison in Europe where he would never see his family again stopped him. And I then done it. Yeah. I absolutely would have done it. I know. It, actually, like he has said, like to this day, I regret this. Knowing what he ended up going to do later, I regret that I didn't do it. I was just so afraid. Self-defense. Um, he would have had a solid self-defense case. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, at the same time, though, he had also gone to people and requested different rooms. Did, he was too embarrassed to say the full extent of what was going on. But like he was like, can I please have a different room? And everyone was like, you're a pussy. Knock it off. Yeah. Like, go back to your room. So he didn't feel like anyone was helping him. Um, eventually, after numerous attempts to escape the situation, he got, Billy got sent away on a field assignment. And when he got back, Dahmer was gone because he had been discharged for too much drinking. Not for torturing his roommate, not for raping people, for drinking too much. So Billy was at least free. Yeah. He went, underwent years and years of intensive therapy. Sure. Not a shock. Yeah. Um, but actually him and Davis, are now really good friends. Oh, that's good. It's super cute. That's good. Yeah. They should be. I know. Um, okay. Of garbage bullshit, nonsense, yeah. angry face, meh. Just the worst motherfucker. Meh. If anybody's ever seen a picture of Jeffrey Dahmer, he's a gross, dirty boy. He is, especially with those glasses. Oh, I know. Those glasses are horrendous. Those are a crime. Yep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad a crime as what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This part is called the murder spree. <laughs> this part is called the murder spree. After coming home from Germany, 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 you haven't even taken your shot yet. Germany. <laughs> um, after coming home from Germany, I'm trying to hold off as long as I can because there's some shit. I know. I know it's coming. Just get through it. You Dahmer, can do it. Dahmer spent a little more time in Ohio and then he racked up some sweet disorderly conduct charges. Sure. Uh, until his dad sent him to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. Mm. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Stallis, West Allis, is <laughs> basically Talk a suburb of Milwaukee. It is. And I have some friends who live there right now. <laughs> so that's, that's nice. Uh, people are aware of where Jeffrey Dahmer's grandmother's house is. Like, yeah. if you live in West Allis, like, and you drive by, you're like, there it is. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Also, where his apartment later was. Yes. Near the rave. Yeah. I believe that. Like we that used to is drive a... past it all the time when I was a kid. Gross. Yeah. Unfortunate. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so this is where the real shit starts to go down. Mm-hmm. He did only one killing in Ohio. So I hate it when people are like, he's an okay. Uh, no, he's a Milwaukee no. killer. Eat my ass. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh. <laughs> why did that fuck leave Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> Such a good cue. Mm. In 1986, um, Jeffrey was frequenting bars and bathhouses in the Milwaukee area. He was getting a reputation. He was even barred from a bathhouse for allegedly drugging four people in there. <laughs> people who were so sick they had to be hospitalized oh, for a week. Oh, my God. No charges filed, but they were like, you cannot come back. Like, the bathhouse is already a place where, like, he could get down and dirty. If that's all he was looking for. If that's literally all he was looking for. But like it's not. That's the problem with Jeffrey Dahmer yeah, here, people. Not. He's actually not even into the violence as much as he's into what happens after the violence, which is that you have a dead body now. Yeah. And he liked dead bodies. I'll get into it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> In 1987, 
Dahmer killed again. First time in nine years. He murdered Stephen Tuomi, another Stephen, mm. um, and got rid of his body in much the same way he'd gotten rid of Stephen Hicks's body before. In 1988, Dahmer killed um, James Doxeter, who was a 14-year-old boy, and Richard Guerrero. And in the same year, he moved into his own place at the Oxford Apartments. Is that in Milwaukee itself? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. It's near the Rave. Okay. And if anyone's ever been to, like, the Eagles Ballroom or the Rave, they have a lot of concerts there. It's still open. Yeah, it's real close to there. To the best of your knowledge, is it still called Oxford Apartments? Oh, I fucking renamed God. the fuck out of that. It's been a while since I've, like, driven down that specific street yeah. to see. We should check it out sometime. We should. The next time we're in Milwaukee, yeah. we'll report back, you guys. Thanks. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, so now he has his own place because presumably it is hard to hide dead bodies from your grandma. Yeah, imagine that. I'm guessing that only goes for so long. What's that smell? Yeah, exactly. Um, This part is called more murder and also (laughs) almost getting caught a whole bunch. (laughs) Jeff O was arrested in 1988 for soliciting a minor, a 13-year-old boy who escaped, um, and was sentenced, uh, he was soliciting like pictures and stuff saying, I'll pay you for new pictures. Either way, he was sentenced to eight years in prison. Guess what he actually fucking served, my dude? Not eight years. Not fucking eight years, ten months. Yeah. And then he was placed on five years probation. Ten months for trying to get child porn, like trying to make it physically, <laughs> like with a child. Listen, the person that I know that got arrested for child porn and statutory rape is looking at, like, 20 to plus years. So the fact that he only served 10 months in the state of Wisconsin... Mm-hmm. Fucking horrendous. It blows my mind. 1988, man. I don't know. Like, not like we're great on everything now. We're certainly not. We're super not. But that's really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle. That was really subtle. I'm not sure if they picked up the message on that. Thanks. (laughs) Should I say it again? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe just louder for the people in the back. Everything's the worst. Yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) not to mention... Before he was even fucking sentenced for this crime, like, between being picked up and being fucking sentenced, he killed another person. Sure. His name was Anthony Sears. He had some time. Also. To kill. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Shut the fuck up. You gotta go. It's your house and you have to leave. <laughs> also. Like the pause that I put in there? Yes, it was good. It was perfectly Before timed. Passes. You fuck. You fuck. Mm-hmm. So, um, he got away with yet more because he did go to every probation meeting he needed to go to. Like, he was good about that. Mm -hmm. But the law typically stipulates that you have to go into somebody's house as, like, their probation officer at least a few times. Yeah. This person never did that. Whoever his probation officer was never entered Jeffrey Dahmer's home because he was overworked and he got, like... Yeah, and it was the same with social workers of that time because their caseloads were... Way, way too many cases on their plates where they couldn't go into every single house and they just had to assume that the kids were okay. Right. But it's like, you can't assume assume that. You can't assume this shit. He's been arrested or at least like looked at for several things by this point, including like drunk and disorderly. And now he's soliciting a minor and you're never going to go into his home that once. Yeah. You're not going to look for. Anything. Anything. Like, and you would have found some shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm going to keep going. Mm. Because this isn't over. 
Yeah. Um, after getting out of prison in 1990, after his 10 months, he yep. killed Ricky Beeks, Edward Smith, Ernest Miller, and David Thomas, all in 1990. He's really moving on up at this point. Well, I mean, he was away for 10 months without... I mean, now, yeah, you gotta sate that. You gotta, yeah. Mm, you just gotta get in there. Do some murders. Whoa. I'm grossed out by myself. Yeah, you should be. He's got a system now, so he's, like, better at it. He picks up young men. He brings them over. He has them, gives them some beers. Sometimes he drugs them. He attacks them. And he fucks with their remains in various and ever-changing ways. (laughs) Note. I have a couple of notes. By this point, Dahmer has a habit of taking pics while dismembering the bodies, cutting off their heads and putting them in the freezer, and also keeping other body parts such as muscle muscle tissue and like just like anything, I guess he felt like, to allegedly, 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 eat, eat later. Yeah. Um. Again, we'll talk about it. So, note again. Oh, God. It is not clear in the timelines I could find when this began, but Jeffrey also did eventually start doing less drugging of his victims and more. Drilling holes into their heads and pouring boiling water into them. And then eventually, after the boiling water, he moved on to acid. Because he wanted to make sex slaves. Yeah. He wanted to make living zombies that he could fuck. Because Here's my thought on that. I think the only reason he even bothered is because bodies decompose. Yeah. He just wanted something lifeless. Yeah. So, like, the closest you can get is a lobotomized human being without actually killing them. Hey, buddy. Hey, pal. Hey, friend. Jeffrey Dahmer. Hey, Jeff. If you'd waited, like, 20 years, you could have a sex doll. <laughs> Patience is a virtue. He was born... He could have done with some learning. He was born in the wrong decade. Look. <laughs> he would have been fine. It just got really gross. I know. He would have oh. been fine in, in 2018. Um, so in the middle of more murders in 1991, Dahmer picked up a 14-year-old boy named Conorak. I'm... Okay, this is an amazing last name. Synthesomphony... Not a, not a fucking exaggeration. <laughs> um, but his name is Conorak. He's 14 years old and he, um, was offered by Dahmer to have, to, to receive money for nude pictures. Again, that's just kind of Dahmer's MO. He's yeah. like, I have money. Do you want to take nude pictures? Let's go back to my apartment. So he brings this boy back. He drugs him. And then, well, he doesn't just drug him. By this point, this is the point at which he is drilling the holes and making the zombies. So he does that, and then he just leaves to go get a beer. <laughs> because, again, Jeffrey Dahmer is a raging alcoholic. Raging. Throughout all this shit, he is just pulling the fuck off. He is wasted. <laughs> like, 90% of the time. Yeah. So he goes to get a beer. Conorak escapes. He's, I don't even know what kind of mental state he's in. He's so fucked up. Yeah, but he, he gets out. He is wandering the streets and sort of this general area of this apartment building naked and real fucked up looking. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he has a hole in his There's head. There's a hole in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors called the cops, but Dahmer returned at just the right moment. Of course he did. And he was able to convince these cops that he and Conorak were lovers and Conorak was just a bit drunk. They'd gotten into a fight. So now he's going to bring him back to his apartment and everything's fine, officer. A 14-year-old boy, too fucking drugged to confirm the story, was released back to Dahmer, who then killed him. Of course. And warning, 
He had sex with the body and dismembered him. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take my shot now. Okay, bye. All right. That's the stuff. Okay. (laughs) Just going to give you a second. The epic pace of the killing continues all the way through July 1991, by which point Jeffrey has killed seven more people, all between Mm. the ages of 18 and 31. And my favorite moment. Oh, God. And he was fired from the Ambrosia Chocolate Company for poor attendance. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. He worked at a chocolate company. Yes. For anybody who doesn't know, Jeffrey Dahmer, for a large chunk of his killing career, worked at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory in Milwaukee, now closed. Yep. He made $9 an hour, apparently. Which is good money for them. $14 an hour now. So, like, Mm -hmm. could be worse. Dece. Yeah. And then he was, he was fired for poor attendance because presumably, he when was killing people and drunk. Yeah, when you're always covered in the blood and viscera of your victims, you're late for work sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need you to go now. <laughs> I'm not done. Oh god, <laughs> I'm very close to done. However, just when it seemed like all hope was lost for basically any gay man in the Milwaukee area. Dahmer picked up Tracy Edwards. Bam, bam, bam. He was 32 years old. This is July 22nd, 1991. Dahmer offered money to Edwards to pose nude, although Edwards said that didn't happen later, but it's like, come on. <laughs> Ed- that's how he's picked up everyone. Don't worry about it, Edwards. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, that is his modus operandi. So, like, you know, it's just, this is the way it is. Edwards entered Dahmer's house. As so many people had already done. Yep. He was immediately not into what he saw (laughs) at all. It reeked of death in there. Sure. Fucking crazy bad smells. Freezers can only contain so much. Uh And if he's like flaying skin Uh and doing all the other shit like that. Yeah. Uh Yeah. There are some smells. There There are some smells you can't get rid of. Oh, never. No, uh, I bet they demolished the building. If we go by there, I bet, I bet it's gone. Like, what are we thinking? I'm gonna double check. Hold on. <laughs> Not only did it reek though, there were boxes of acid on the floor and a blue drum in the corner. Sure, that's subtle. You know? You know? How you just have a blue drum in the corner sometimes? <laughs> also, this is my favorite. The Exorcist 3 was playing on the TV. Oh my god. <laughs> so the place has a mystique. <laughs> Dahmer placed handcuffs on Edwards, stating that it was part of the photo shoot. He flirted with Edwards. He was saying, I'm going to eat your heart, which I imagine maybe he thought was going to sound flirty and instead sounded like he was going to eat his heart. So he also did drug Edwards, um, but not to the point where Edwards lost consciousness, which you would think Dahmer would be pretty good about that. I don't know. They're not really sure what the motive is there. But uh, Edwards managed to keep his cool, and he stayed in Dahmer's apartment for five hours, talking to Dahmer and just being his buddy. And then at some point, he got one of his hands out of the handcuffs, and when he saw his opportunity, Edwards punched Dahmer in the fucking skull and ran out of the apartment. Good. Yes. He, um, as he's running, he's naked. He's got a handcuff around one wrist. He flags down a police car and leads the cops directly back to Dahmer's apartment. So, look, we've had a lot of fun here today. <laughs> and I'm just going to get through this as quickly as possible. Also, just so you know, 
the building was demolished. Oh, thank God. Because they no probably way. couldn't renovate that apartment. There's like no, no way, way to get the smell out. Right. It's it's in there. It's it's just it's probably it's wood floors. Seeps. Plus, I mean, there's just bad juju. Nobody wants oh, yeah. to live there. Everyone knew. They all <clears throat> moved away. It got right. torn down. So, um, this is what was found. This is a short list of what was found in Dahmer's apartment. Oh God. I'm, again, I'm sorry. Oh God. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I really wish I had another shot. Why didn't I wait? Um, <laughs> give me that tinkling music. Give me that good, good tinkling music. Okay, we're going to take a break. And then I'm going to tell you what we found in Dahmer's apartment after the tinkles. This is what was found in Dahmer's apartment. The bleached and painted skulls of several victims... Photos of dead bodies and dismembered limbs, four human heads in the freezer, two human hearts, and other hunks of human meat leaking blood in the refrigerator, a stockpot in his closet full of more body parts, male genitalia preserved in formaldehyde, and that 50-gallon blue drum that Edward saw on his way in held Two slowly dissolving human torsos. All right. So, so, <laughs> that's real. That happened in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in yeah. 1991. On 25th Street. On 25th Street. Murder on 25th Street. <laughs> How have we not made that? How's that movie not real? Ew. <laughs> Before I very quickly speak about the trial and uh, death of this motherfucker, I'm just going to... Um, yeah, while you're taking that shot, I'm going to do a little talking here. So about the cannibalism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good call. I personally don't think he actually cannibalized anyone. I don't think so either. I think he was a little chicken shit bitch who wanted people to believe he was worse than he actually was. Which, my dude, you did not need that. No. But I think he tried it. I think he probably was like, I'll try it once. And he didn't fucking like it. It didn't give him the feeling he was hoping for. Yeah. And it was probably just kind of gross. There's no way Jeffrey Dahmer could cook. He did a lot of really fucked up stuff. Yeah. I I don't think either of us necessarily 100% believe. There's no evidence 100% that he ate people. No. And... I don't know why that's the worst thing, like, why that's the thing people know him for. Like, why is he the cannibal killer? Like, no, fuck you. He no, he murdered, just, he, he flayed flesh from yeah. bones. He fucked dead bodies. Yeah. Like, like it's bad why, enough. Why, why is that the one thing? Right. We cling to that as the yeah. worst thing he's done. I don't and think that's... I don't think it is. No. I think necrophilia is worse than cannibalism. I don't know why that is, but I definitely, maybe we're, again, desensitized. Okay, (laughs) but then let's talk about last episode. Dahmer confessed to all his crimes. Good. And he even expressed remorse, Mm. weirdly enough. He's not like Bundy in that way. No. According to him, he didn't enjoy killing. He only needed to do it to get the resulting dead body. For what I did, I should be dead, he said. Yes. Well, um. Accurate. Yeah, that happens. Dahmer's trial began in uh, January 1992. He pled guilty to all 15 counts brought against him. So the trial was not actually about his guilt. It was about whether he was sane while committing the crimes or not. Forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz testified 
that he did not believe Dahmer to be suffering from a mental disease or defect at the time he committed the crimes, stating, Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with his victims and to have no witnesses. He explained uh, that there was ample evidence that Dahmer prepared in advance for each murder. Therefore, his crimes were not impulsive. Yep. Um, Tracy Edwards, his survivor, did uh, give a testimony at Dahmer's trial. Um, I didn't watch all of it, but a lot of the questioning based on what people were talking about post his um, testimony was he was basically asked to testify about what mental state Dahmer was in during his period of time with him. Um, was he having mood swings? Uh, did he seem to disassociate from the situation? How drunk was he? How drunk was he? Because <clears throat> seriously, though. Um, yeah, because that was basically all the um, the defense trying to prove that Dahmer was out of his mind while he was doing this. And nobody bought it. Yeah. Nobody fucking bought it. Imagine that. Dahmer was uh, ruled sane on all 15 counts, and he was sentenced to a total of 904 years in prison. Hmm. Um, he was also later extradited to Ohio to face trial for the murder of uh, Stephen Hicks, for which he was also convicted. Yeah. So, in, and then here in all caps, it says, and you know what? I'm done talking about this fuck. Forever, I hope. I'm not. I hate it. Because he did die in prison. He did die in prison. That is he true. He done did got shanked real good. That was my thing is I didn't write that down because I, I was hoping to find more and then I kind of forgot to find more. But he did die in prison. He is not currently alive. He was alive. beaten to death. Oh, good. By Christopher Scarver. Thanks, Chris. Who was a fellow inmate at the Columbia Correctional Institution. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. <clears throat> So, this is a quote from Christopher. Some people who are in prison are repentant, but he was not one of them. Um, he, Dahmer, brutally and unapologetically taunted other inmates. Um, he used to make limbs out of prison food, applying ketchup on places to represent blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Well, that really throws a wrench in the idea that Dahmer was ever really remorseful. I mean, maybe <laughs> no. he was just decent no. at faking it. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't. Just like limbs out of prison food. I mean, holy shit. Holy shit, buddy. Dude, you're gross. Nasty. You nasty. You're also like that weird kid nobody wants to talk to. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) You're not cool. (sighs) So, yeah. That was uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and people who survived him. And Ted Bundy and people who survived him. him. So next time we'll do a fun one, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's... I need a... <laughs> I need to take a nap. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a heavy one. It was a really heavy one. But um, we got through it. Well, thank you all for joining yeah. us once again. And also, just one more time to that dude who left the comment. Like, <laughs> I'm still salty about it. Because, like, if you want to have your own opinions, like, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But... It takes a certain type of male perspective to come to that conclusion because he obviously felt like we were personally attacking him. To our male listeners, please know we do like you. We do adore you. We do support you. Mm -hmm. We do believe that you are great people in every single way. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't, (laughs) then um, don't be passive aggressive, (laughs) I guess. Leave weird comments. 
maybe listen to the women in your life if they have some things to say. Yeah. Or just go listen to episode 13. Yeah, go listen to that. Cool. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.